Welcome everyone to uh, this new Tech Captains episode. So today we are lucky to have uh, Martin Brunthaller, uh, CTO and co-founder of at Adverity, which is a company working on data. So you'll be able to tell us a bit more in a few minutes, which is a very trendy topic. So hi, Martin. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And. Uh, Today, I'm accompanied, as usual, with uh, Garrett Thomas, CTO at Peak Data. Hi, everybody. Hi, Martin. Hi. Good, good. So, Martin, you co-founded the company in 2016. You raised, I don't know, 150, 60 millions. Who, who keeps counting at this point? You've, <laughs> you've created several companies uh, out of Austria, so like, can you tell us a bit more about like how you got there? Yeah, so I think you know my um, as you might be able to guess from the color of my beard, I'm uh, I'm in my mid forties now, so I've been in this field for quite a while already. Um, how I started really is uh, I think with a, an Amiga computer that was a Commodore, um, not the really old one C sixty four, but a, a the Amiga variant, um, which I got I think with around about ten years. So I started coding on this with a uh, with basic and I had a, a little kid book uh, illustrated basic book that I used for programming like little games and stuff like that so kind of sparked my interest uh, pretty early and then you know I I started with um later on on a on a personal computer with um programming Pascal and Delphi um so I did a little bit of uh, database style applications for um for a friend of mine and then like in school, we had a, an interesting programming language that we learned that was Komal. I'm not sure if that's still, I, I'm not sure if anyone still knows the kind of language. It's, it's probably a dying one like Cobol uh, or whatever. <laughs> um, but we had good fun programming in that too. Um, and then like uh, during university, I, I made a choice uh, whether I should join a corporation um, for which I was working as a software programmer. Um, or join a couple of crazy guys from university and, and uh, join them for the startup. And luckily enough, I, I made the latter choice. And um, we've been working in uh, uh, for mobile applications. So we developed web applications. That was a thing at the time. Um, and I moved into the um, uh, short messaging space, um, which uh, where we even, you know, we built our own data center and uh, even purchased the diesel ones that we put onto the roof to have um, uninterrupted power supply in case of failure. Because at that time, you know, the, the companies purchasing some software were obviously telcos uh, with, uh, uh, they, they had interest in like keeping stuff up and running <laughs> quite a bit. Um, uh, we have been uh, lucky enough to be able to sell this company uh, in, 2006 um, to an American corporation and then you know we stuck around for a while so we and, and myself as well um, have been able to learn a little bit uh, the corporate environment as well uh, during the time and after two years um, I started something else again like in the price comparison space um, was that your browser plugin yeah exactly it used to be a yeah I try it's pretty cool that actually yeah um, it's you know that's ten years ago, <laughs> maybe twelve even. A little that's a lifetime ago. in tech world. It's yeah. a lifetime. I can say yeah. that. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, what what is more interesting is not the plugin side of things; it's the backend, really, because um, you do real time price comparison with a, a lot of partners in the backend. 
so there's several like fees that you can use for the purpose and also the matching exercise is, is kind of challenging so um you know uh, today you could could it do or run it a little bit differently maybe but at that time it was certainly something interesting to do um why did you stop then, it pardon why did you stop uh, building that? No, I didn't stop. I think it's still around. Uh, it's been sold also to a price comparison um, company here okay. in Austria. And um, so I think the team is still working on that, uh, even though their, their priorities might have shifted to, to other areas as well. I see. Um, I think it's these days it's more difficult. There was a very hot time in the browser um, extension ecosystem where, you know, you, you had to be especially in Fire, Firefox add-on store, if you've been ranked high, you, you could easily acquire a lot of traffic at that time. Um, I think it's harder today than it used to be 15 years ago. Um, and, you know, then you also have uh, Chrome becoming more of an important browser at that point in time and uh, Chrome add-on store. So a lot of uh, companies use that opportunity to, you know, create a lot of traffic and, and good ranking in add-on stores to acquire customers. I think it's a lot harder today. Um, right then, after that, you know, we started at Verity. Um, we really bootstrapped that within uh, uh, another company. Um, and, uh, you know, eight years later, we are 350 people. Um, you you must journey. wake up, yeah, you must wake up someday and be like, who are all these people? Why do they trust me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the interesting part is when you're like, when you run it you know like when you're in the in the daily operations of, of this you don't recognize it that way it's um it's like a it's something that happens over time and you, you grow with that uh but from the outside it's amazing yeah and and can, could you maybe in a few sentences explain what is adverity because there's so many data products you see on the market and i know like look i've, I've looked at your linkedin quickly obviously mm -hmm. also and like you know you say intelligent marketing analytics platform but that what does that mean concretely? Like, what do you do? Yeah, I think, uh, so at the core, we, we, we make it easy to work with um, uh, data, um, for data teams, really. So our core, really at the core, what we do is we, um, we allow people to focus on the business application that they build. And for many people that might be building a dashboard, like when you're on the marketing side of things, but it might also be building a data application that, you know, where you run the machine learning model on top of that, make marketing decisions, um, to, to run a campaign, stop, start, etc. Um, we really started off, you know, when we when we started the company, our main challenge was to uh, replace an existing workflow that mainly consisted of um, throwing a couple of data points together uh, into a spreadsheet, and then create a PowerPoint presentation out of that to automate the whole workflow. So we started off with a, with a, a dashboarding or exploration of the dashboarding capability and added data integration on top of that or like as a, as a foundation to that. And over time, we, we evolved into much more than that because um, the, the visualization, like the data product that you build on top of that might might only require, you know, the foundation and you have other tools that you put that say, for example, Looker Studio or Power BI, Tableau, you name it. Like there's many tools that can run uh, where you can create visualization and dashboards. Yeah. We really make it easy to use the kind of underlying data set. And when I look at the marketing ecosystem, there's lots of sources we support more than 600 um and it's constantly evolving like things say for example like snapchat or tiktok they haven't been around for years so would ago. you say would you say you are more into the the data processing like google bigquery and atina or are you more into the 
data consumption like QuickSight, Data Studio, Looker, etc.? I think it's a, a mix. Uh, we are stronger on the data integration side of things, I'd say, um, from, a, from a proposition perspective. And just today, we are about to, um, that's, that's a coincidence, but with the first customers uh, currently um, getting a new release where we are going uh, one step further in the value proposition. So um, with, with the upcoming uh, versions that we're going to release to our customers, you also get a native programmatic interface to our uh, data storage. Um, so this really... Uh, removes the need to operate your own data warehouse, um, and you can really focus on building what you what you build on top of that. So, so you do you mean a command to, line interface? Is that what you're talking about, like a CLI? Um, uh, you might want to use it for a CLI, but also through, uh, say, for example, an ODBC driver. Um, such that you can oh. look into uh, into our platform through a programmatic interface rather than okay. you know, providing your own SQL database or data warehouse. Uh, yeah. So is that Verity really the ETL, basically, of your the extract, transform, load of the process? Yeah, you could say that. Um, ETL, ELT, you can run it in both um, modes of operation, uh, if you like. So we allow you to um, apply transformations before it lands in the storage and also after. So you can do, you can do both. Well, well, actually, it was interesting to me because I was looking, I was reading the case studies. You've got a ton of case studies on your, on your website. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, I thought it was quite amazing that you seem to have a very wide breadth of functionality. Um, so you've got things from sort of low-level ETL where you're, you're providing data, you're doing that sort of stuff. But then you, you've also got, I'm guessing, dashboards and, and abstraction layers for marketers. So, I mean, that's quite a quite a wide breadth for your tool, right? It is, yeah. Um, like a, as a, Initially, we started with the whole presentation capability. Um, that is what you now see with dashboarding and exploration. Um, and then, our, like I said, the data integration part became like its own business, so to say. It started off as an internal tool such that we could onboard sources for our customers, but it got very strong very quickly. Um, and I think what distinguishes us in this area is um, also the depth that we uh, go into supporting a source. It's not it's not like you can select a couple of metrics. We always like go into like what, what is supported from a customer and try to make it um, as flexible as possible. Um, and then... Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you that question about what, you know, what do you... What did you build first, and why did you choose to build it? Uh, I guess, um, but and, and where where do you think your strength is now? If you kind of look at the the sort of width of the you know, where where do you sort of sort of say you're you're best at? Um, uh, clearly, data integration is is where we where we shine. But you know, um, I think until and that's kind of when you look out into the future, maybe two three years, um, a lot depends on the application that you build on top of that. So, a data application might be a dashboard for many companies at the moment. But um, I think especially the last six months uh, showed us that it might be something completely different moving forward. Um, I think, you know, dashboards always had its uh, use for a while and will certainly still have its use. But as we move into uh, a world that is where GPT-like technology, specifically saying like technology, there's lots of stuff out there, um, could be a replacement for that. And like uh, one of the, main factors that always drove me was like, I, I don't want to have people build dashboards, you know, because it, it's the current state of things, but it's a, it's a lot of waste of time that goes into that. So I would really like to eliminate that. And um, even though if you end up with a widget showing you a graph, um, it might be useful for interpreting uh, something that's happening in your, you know, marketing spend. Um, just having a couple of eyeballs watching the dashboard 
uh, is not always producing the right result. You know. Yeah, and I think you're right about the time spent, and it's not just it's not just the time spent when you initially build a dashboard. My experience of them is they change all the time, right? You get a new strategic yeah. direction, you get a new whatever, and all of a sudden the dashboard you built, and I want a different dashboard, and it's yeah, it just never ends, really. Exactly. Yeah. And what is your what is your tech stack to build all of that and all those data connector? So uh, I'd say we, we run mostly on Python. Um, that's where we where we started with data integration. However, we have a very you know like uh, diverse tech stack. Uh, the the front end is mostly built on uh, TypeScript, React, uh, now Next.js um, technology. So I think it's pretty modern in these regards. Um, then we have. A part of the platform that still runs on Groovy and Groovy and Grails. <laughs> wow, that's uh, uh, that's something that we still have around a little bit of Kotlin, but that's kind of the, the majority at the moment. I'd say sixty percent is built on Python. And you you, you mentioned now a few of these like you know modern frameworks, Next.js, etc. But also earlier, just after you mentioned the, the gray beard, all the languages like Pascal, etc., that you used to 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 work with, and today's nowadays we don't really hear those. So, what do you think, like, of younger developers or people getting into the tech world and directly jumping into frameworks? What's your opinion yeah. on that? I think, I think it's uh, it's it's hard, you know. Um, Language is not as important as the the kind of ecosystem that surrounds it. Um, hence, Python is very strong because you have a couple of key uh, leader technologies, for example, Django, um, maybe Celery to be considered as well. You know, we have strong support from companies like Google uh, who provide uh, native SDKs, etc. So I think what really powers a language, if you would want to say that, is the, the whole ecosystem and frameworks that you can get uh, and the support from the community. Um, that said, you know, there's always the coolest kid around. Um, two years ago, nobody was talking about TypeScript, and now it's the, the hottest yeah. thing in, in the, in the um, JavaScript uh, ecosystem. You know, it, can, it could be considered its own language as well, but, you know, like what I, what I mean here is um, things change. Um, and I think the key takeaway is um, we should embrace that. Because um, even like considering things like GPT, uh, half six six nine months ago, not many people have been talking about that, and now it's the hardest thing around. Um, and you know, like uh, keep an open mind. That's kind of the, the thing. Now you wrote, um, and just um, um, talking about um, Adverity, I saw a, a blog. I think you wrote on on your website. Um, I think the title was "What is the Modern Data Stack." Um, and you talk about some of the current challenges with vertical data integration, unified base layers. Um, and what do you think the issue is with things like that? Is it is it naming standards? Is it poor metadata? What, what do you think sort of un underlies those problems? I think there's two, maybe two themes to that. So um, I personally think that, and you know, you can have different um, buying or user personas for your um, stack, so to say. But I think the main issue is that in many corporations, um, the kind of three main disciplines sit in different organizations. And as such, you end up with many people owning parts of the stack. And that kind of will yield yeah. or, or cause many things along the way. Say, for example, if, if um, the developer slash engineering organization owns the data integration part, 
and the developer decides to drop something because you know it, it doesn't interest anyone anymore and then the consuming side which might be a power bi user it goes missing um like it falls apart quite quickly for such cases i, I think strongly think that uh, an integrated solution provides uh more stability and as we move into uh things like data containers and and contracts it, it's kind of a mixed feeling around the kind of tournament because many people interpret it differently but i think we need to move into uh, an ecosystem where we have like requirements that go down into the stores and you know uh, things don't break that easily um that's kind of i think the main issue really and then like having three four tools compose your stack might be flexible for some organizations but very complex to maintain and do you think there are i mean you know, um, you've mentioned chat gpt a few times do you think there are ai solutions in these spaces to be looked at so it's an interesting so i monitor that quite closely um there's a couple of things that are happening that that interest me um however i think at the moment uh we are thinking about how to augment our existing technology with you know gpt like things and and a lot might deal with use interface facing um capabilities say for example making it easier to compose a data transformation or maybe even compose um you know uh, an api interface um, there you have the matter of how much you're trusted and how much uh, data is correct that you retrieve from a source, but you know you can address those kind of issues. Um, but what I, I I still haven't got my head around like what's going to be the future when I look at it two years down the road because there's already some stuff happening and you might end up in a in an ecosystem where you don't really need that much of um, a pipelining capability. You know, um, it might be something completely different. Um, then there's companies um, composing SQL queries, for example, um, which is also a discipline that, that kind of is on the user experience, the feature side of things. So let's see. I think uh, it's very interesting times at the moment. So you think from the point of view of your company, you're looking at maybe utilizing it more in the sort of vein of what uh, of Copilot, right, where it kind of help people understand how to talk to your platform or get the data in the best way out of your platform. Yeah, so that's certainly something that we look at at the moment. So how we can apply those technologies to the to the existing stack, uh, but also how we can make it uh, utilize that moving forward. You know, like uh, as in like modern two point whatever you call that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And Martin, so so you created a company like seven years ago now, and you mentioned more than eight hundred people. Yeah, three hundred. So like. You must have had a... 800 would sorry? really be scary now. No, 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 300. <laughs> 300, sorry, sorry, 300. But it's still very impressive. Like the... You must have had so many like challenges, like both human and technical challenges. Like what, what were your, 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 the top few challenges you you have encountered? Also, your role has evolved a lot and shifted based on that. Um, I'm not sure what to pick. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but then again, you know, like I said initially, if you if it's happening on a daily basis, it's not like you know it's go. You just keep on pushing. I think that's the uh, that's the mode of operation. There's there's phases where you can do more strategic stuff, and then there's phases where where it's more like um, making sure that that everyone's aligned. Like alignment plays a, a huge role in, in in a big organization. I think uh, it's it's a good challenge to like make sure that everybody's pulling on the same like rope. Um, I think that's uh, something that myself and Alex are, are working on on a daily basis. You know? um, 
for me personally, I think comms is always an issue, you know, um, being out there and being public is something that I should do more often. And, uh, uh, but you know, when you are, um, fighting fires, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's something, uh, yeah, that you need to work on. Isn't it funny how every company from the outside can look super successful, but when you're in the inside, like there's always, holes everywhere always. in the boat, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally take that. <laughs> I think yeah, always. Yeah. If you read stories about PayPal, a lot of these massively successful businesses in their early days, it's craziness, you know? Yeah. And people have no idea. It's kind of like the swan. They just think it's serenely moving across the lake. Meanwhile, yeah. it's just madness underneath. Yeah. Yeah, it's the part of that. We we have a small tradition in the podcast that, you know, every guest presents a book that they, they really like. And you mentioned uh, design patterns, elements of reusable object-oriented software, if, if yeah. I'm correct. Like, why, why this book? I think uh, uh, the book is, um, you know, it's a classic and, you know, everybody would say that. But I think uh, I got it in the 90s when I was still like, you know, 14, 15 years old. Uh, we'd have to look that up. But it, it kind of, you know, it was my first um, um, connection with uh, structured, like how you get structure into your um uh, thinking in terms of how you how you architect and and design code, and I think it's still I think most of that still is valid today. Even though you know pragmatic um, uh, uh, languages change, and like we already talked about frameworks that all changes, but the design uh, patterns underneath are you know um, are good to know. And the same applies for algorithms, um, which still is a, a very good book to read on if you want to understand. Um, underlying how, how stuff works really you know um when you read that early i think it's a it's a good good read to have. I, I would actually argue that it's in some ways maybe i've not to be honest with you i've not read that book so i shall read it now um but um it sounds like it might even be more valid because it just seems that today it's so easy just go to go and pick code off the internet and plug it in somewhere without fundamentally understanding what you're trying to build. I mean, I remember when I was coding, you know, when I, when I started out as a programmer, I used to spend a lot of time thinking about how I was going to structure what I was writing before I wrote any code. But I think nowadays, cause it's so easy to just go pull things from various places and just bolt them together that that probably happens less, less so. I don't know. You know? Yeah. So true. Yeah. No, totally true. I, I exactly the, uh, the point, uh, that was very good. Um, yeah, Gareth, any more questions for Martin? I actually had two more questions. So, so one, just, just going back to your, your blog, I think you, you said at the end, um, you made a comment about the fundamentals of good data practice. And I was wondering what, what you would regard those as being. It's a good question. Um, it's been a while, I think, uh, since I did that, but, uh, I think the fundamentals are really around, um, whether you can, you know, that goes back into also a couple of features that we're building out, but a lot is in terms of how much you can trust the source, you know, um, if there is, if the quality, if you trust the quality in your data stack, you know, you don't have to go back to the source and, and, you know, verify. And that's, that's one of the hardest challenges I think uh, for any platform out there is like really making sure the user has confidence and in, in the correctness and uh, the up-to-dateness or freshness of the data in your platform. Um, 
I think that's a recurring theme for many companies in this area anyway, but uh, I think that's a, a really, really critical thing mm. to, to get right. And the other one I want to ask you is sort of going back, I guess, to your the earlier part of your career, because you were in telecoms, right? You did quite a bit, but you mentioned at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering what you think about 5G and 6G. So I, to me, I just think 5G it just seems like it hasn't really delivered what it promised. I mean, they talked about low latency, and I think there was a Chinese surgeon that did a live surgery, but then what's happened since really so i was well yeah i think i think it's hard like um to get the infrastructure right um and you know i have to say i started early 2000s um and i majored in um in telecommunication sciences a lot of that is pretty outdated (laughs) at the moment let's say my focus shifted a lot towards the software side of things, but which, which is now coming back, I think, with 5G as well. When you look at the equipment, it's a lot more software-driven than, than it used to be with uh, previous generations. Um, how it cannot deliver, I think a lot depends on, you know, density. Uh, so uh, at least here in Vienna, we mm-hmm. have a pretty good coverage, but still, you know, it's not where it should be. And when you look at latency, it didn't, it didn't fulfill the promise. I, I can second that. Um, but on the other end, um, I think at least yeah. here it works quite well. Well, it was interesting too because I looked at that and then I looked at 6G and they're saying uh, there was some lab in again in China where they got 206 gigabits per second data rate on the frequency baseband they're going to have for 6G. So 6G is promising. This is the one where we're going to give you, you know 10x more capacity. So bringing the cloud closer to your devices and you know all that kind of stuff. That's a good promise, but um, the use. I think if you look at the from the outset, you need to find the use case for that too. And there's certainly something out there um, you can figure out. Uh, but, but I suppose latency is the one, like you already mentioned, that really matters for them. It's kind of experience, I think, bandwidth. And then again, it's a shared medium. You know, it, a lot depends on how many people are adopting um, uh, the kind of uh, technology. Uh, so it's good to have the bandwidth and reserve. But at the moment, you know, other other things yeah. and i think to, to finally just to say it just made me laugh yesterday because i saw there's a new dating app and it's all it's, it's basically dating mixed with tiktok so i'm thinking we're going to have even more videos being recorded on so we're going to need all this extra bandwidth aren't we really you know that's <laughs> true <Sure. laughs> I'm, I'm too old for tiktok <laughs> so, yeah. i have to say <laughs> yeah it's not for me either but yeah Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Martin, for for your time, for talking to us and uh, sharing a few insights of your of your career. I'm sure there's much more. We need to invite you, um, and uh, we will follow your adventures with uh, Adverity. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Good luck with Adverity. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Have you have a nice day. Bye.